my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. This week on our 100th episode... Planned Parenthood CEO Alexis McGill-Johnson, Chairwoman of the Congressional Black Caucus Karen Bass, Riri Cheney, and Megan Gailey joined to tackle the following questions. What does the fight for police reform look like when it moves from the streets to Congress? Why do some men hate wearing masks so much? Is Chief Justice John Roberts good now? And has the pandemic turned all of us into nosy neighbors? All this and more right now. Hey, Alyssa. Erin. Good day to you. Good day to you, too. Guess what today is? It is um, day 109 in quarantine for me. <laughs> 109? Do you have like a... Yeah. We have a calendar. We have a calendar right here next to where I record, like prison. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, if you started just making tally marks, eventually they would kind of make their way down onto the floor and across the floor. And We're on our fourth month right now of marks. Oh, man. Well, at least you guys are kind of, it's kind of under control for you guys because it's not really, not really over here on the West Coast. It's, I mean, we're trying to keep it down, but like, is there, what else is today, Erin? What else is happening today? Today is the 100th episode of Hysteria. This is the hundredth time that you and I have talked about the news. 100? 100. How many times do you think we've talked about abortion? Oh my God. Like 110? Did the court rule in the in favor of abortion rights this week because of us? Because they didn't want to be the ultimate fuck that guy this week. The ultimate fuck that guy. It's funny. I was looking, thinking back on the hundred episodes and I was thinking about the first episode and it really did start with a fuck that guy. Yes. Because if you recall, we were in New York. Yes. It was me, you, Z-Way and Blair Imani. Oh yes. And we recorded a whole episode one morning. And then as soon as we got out of the studio, we got news that Anthony Kennedy was retiring from the Supreme Court. Yes. So there was an immediate fuck that guy situation. Everybody needed to be reconvened in the night and we had to record a super special, holy shit, what's going to happen episode. And it was like also just the ethos of hysteria going forward because you made us a pound cake earlier that day. <laughs> and then we had cocktails when we re-recorded later that night, which I feel like really res- like just represents the arc of who we are. <laughs> it was from a homemade pound cake to some cocktails for sure. <laughs> I was really into baking back then. So much has changed. Now I've just given up. Um, but I was kind of reflecting, <laughs> I was reflecting last night on all the things that have happened in the... It's been about two years to to mm-hmm. make these 100 episodes. Um, all the things that the show has talked about and how much the news cycle and American politics have been driven by women and uh, issues that are super important to women and issues that center women, like the Kavanaugh hearings. 
uh, mm-mm. yeah. Um, a lot of me too stuff. Yep. Um, remember when we all got to hate the Houston Astros at the same time? Oh shit. Totally forgot about that. Yeah. When baseball comes back, we can resume hating the Houston Astros. <sighs> Praise be. I know. 2018 elections. I mean, the blue wave. The blue wave, but the blue wave that was led by, you know, Nancy Pelosi and people like AOC and women who are- Ayanna Presley. Ayanna Presley, Ilhan Omar. There was this whole wave of women that took the house back from Republicans. Now, let's see. What else have we been through in this last um, record number of women who ran for president? I was just going to say, right? And- One way or another, we're going to have a female vice president by the time this is all over. That's true. Well, I mean, this is assuming that, like, Joe Biden wins and... Well, I mean, the only way Joe Biden's not going to win is if statues can actually vote for Donald Trump. (laughs) If statues could... I don't even know if they would vote for Donald Trump. I know. I mean, they're not really saying much now because he's defending them, but what do they really feel? I mean, if you take a look at a lot of statues, they're in these sort of humiliating poses. I would be like, just put me out of my misery. Take me down. I don't want to be on this. (laughs) I don't want to be on this cocky horse with like an undulating buttocks. This is an embarrassing. (laughs) Undulating. Ah. (laughs) This is an embarrassing way for me to be remembered. Um, Also, I was thinking, remember how the president got impeached? The president got impeached. Let us not forget that this is the era of time where Ivanka has proved herself to definitely not be a feminist and just be an asshole. Yeah. I was reading this morning that Jared Kushner has an uh, approve-disapprove rate among Democrats of like 6% approve. Who are those people? <laughs> Who are those people that think he's okay? I don't know. I think they're people he he knew at- At the Observer? Harvard or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Um. I also wanted to reflect a little bit on some of the incredible people that we got to talk to on this yes. show. Yes. Yes. Who, who are your favorites? We had Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, who was our first guest that you and I interviewed together because uh, that was the day when Donald Trump tweeted that she may or may not have given sexual favors to donors, which is crazy. And it was the first time you and I figured out how to jointly interview someone. And we did it with like music stands and it was like very cute. Um, obviously our Hawaiian ride or die, Maisie Hirono, who talked about making paper cranes, which I've been trying to figure out how to do on the internet. I hope she can come back and give us a tutorial. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Who are your favorites? Uh, we had Gloria Steinem on, which was a real, a real moment yes. for me. That was really fun. Katie Hill. That was a, a yep. really great episode. Um, Kimberly Crenshaw was a, it was a thrill. Oh, she was so great. Yeah, it was. She's a, like top. She's without question like top three. It was a such a thrill to talk to her. She's so smart. Um, and then we got to welcome in other people who are sort of in the members of the Crooked Media family. Akila Hughes has stopped yeah. by a few times. Always good to see her. Oh, love Akila. Priyanka comes by sometimes. Julissa comes yep. by sometimes. Um, we also have had some of my favorite writers on the show. Sam Irby has come on the show. I mean, that was like a moment. Yes. Taffy Brodus or Ackner, Julia Phillips. And uh, yeah, we've had some really great people on the show. Not to mention the co-hosts right now, the group that we have right now, which is like a, I'm going to say Murderer's Row. It's Murderer's Row. It's me, you, Grace Para, Megan Gailey, Kieran Deal, Z-Way, Michaela Watkins, Dana Schwartz, Tian Tran, Riri Cheney, and Naomi Ekparagan. 
And, you know, I think that the true test of camaraderie and chemistry is when you can all Zoom. When you can Zoom and no one can tell that you're Zooming, everyone thinks you're at the table. I feel like you've really fucking won. I agree. I agree. We have to have another Hysteria happy hour soon. We had some listeners who were like, we want to hear you guys all hanging out. And I think they might want to because it was a real fun time. I mean, it was really fun. And I've never felt so supported about my jam making endeavor as I did during the happy hour when I was making jam. (laughs) Okay. Um, I continue to send you invisible support constantly about the jam. I (laughs) eagerly await the day that I could try some of this jam. Don't worry because it's uh, it's all got to settle so it doesn't blow up when I send it cross country. But I also just have to take a moment and say that you're just like a fucking great host. Oh. And that you've brought all these people together. And so you never, you're like the most groupy groupy. Everybody has all the credit, but like you really get a lot of fucking credit for this. Oh. And I love you. Stop it. I can't take compliments. I'm going to. I'm air kissing you because it's COVID. (laughs) Thank you. Leap out my window out of embarrassment. But it's been a really, it's been like a really fun, it's been a really fun hundred episodes. I'm okay. So let's talk about next 100. What are we going to do? Wait. Oh, also before we get to our next 100, Hysteria fans fucking kill. They're awesome. Oh my God. And they give us such good feedback. And sometimes like when I say something that is incorrect and I get corrected, I want people to know I fucking want you to do that because that's the whole point. Yeah. Um, You know, and I just, they give us lots of good feedback. I've gotten great jam making tips. You'd be surprised. (laughs) But no, what are we going to do for the next 100? Um, Who do we want to talk to? Well, Who are our dream guests? Oh, well, you know, Ayana. Ayana, it's really the state of Massachusetts is, is <laughs> a, some ground we want to we wanna mine this time. It's, I mean, if Ayana and Elizabeth, I've got a plan for that warrant, want to come anytime, any day, we will, we will wake up in the middle of the night for that action. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that... I, I love those two. Ilhan Omar would be a really fun one to talk to. We could talk Minnesota. Um, I also, oh, I, I didn't mention Tammy Baldwin. Anytime she wants to come mm. on. I love talking to she her. She was so great. It was fun to talk to Heidi Heitkamp as well. Um, oh, oh God, yes, Heidi. Yeah. Shit, we've had so many people. We've got so many people. And I think that now that more women are running for office than ever and more women are in office than ever, we have such a wide array of interesting women who are like actually at the levers of power who would be fun to talk to. Yeah. I just want, I just want it to be bigger and better and everything that we've done and just build on it. It's our time. It's our time. Our time is now. It's our time. Our time is now. Thank goodness for hysteria. It is my sanity corner and, uh, all every week, every week. And I hope it continues to be, what are we going to do now? I was thinking a good idea for us for our 100th episode would be to call a friend of hysteria we have so many. Which one will we call? I would like to call Representative Karen Bass. She represents California's 37th district, which includes Los Angeles, South LA, and Culver City. And she is the chairwoman of the Congressional Black Caucus, Representative Karen Bass. Icon. Let's give her a call. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, we're really excited to have you back. It's always good to talk to you. Good. So as as chair of the Congressional Black Caucus and one of the leaders and on the forefront of Congress's push for police reform, 
Can you tell us some of the highlights of the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act and why it's so important for us to start enacting change to policing now? Yes, yes, yes. I'm happy to do that. So um, the the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act is really designed to address transformative change in how policing is done in the United States. And I've been through this for many years, but I think that the murder of George Floyd that everybody watched and they saw that it lasted over eight minutes and there was no reason to do what the police officers did. And the police officer was looking straight at the camera with his hand in his pocket as he murdered him with complete impunity because he didn't think anything was going to happen to him. And I think the best way to view the bill is addressing everything that you saw on that camera. So police officers need to be held accountable. Without the bill, it's difficult to sue, prosecute, or fire a police officer. And clearly that police officer didn't think anything was going to happen. So we changed the law to make it easier to sue, and that's called qualified immunity, because right now a police officer basically has immunity from being sued. In terms of prosecuting an officer, The standard is so high, officers never get prosecuted. And we've seen that over the years. Now that we've seen a number of cell phone cameras where people are killed, and then you wonder why they're never prosecuted. Well, that's because until now, you had to prove what was in the officer's mind. Our bill says if the officer is reckless, that's enough. The bill calls for a duty to intervene. So those officers should have stopped him from doing what he was doing, and they didn't. Um, Our bill calls for upgrading police officers, police departments. There should be national standards and accreditation. And then one of the things I'm excited about the bill, it provides grants for community-based organizations to re-envision public safety. Those are some features, and maybe we could get into others as the conversation moves on. With bipartisan support, the House passed the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Yes. How are you feeling as the bill is passed over to Mitch McConnell and the Republican-controlled Senate? Well, I mean, that is the process. It passes one House and moves to the other. But what we believe, this is a movement that is happening. There are protests going on in every state in the union and a number of countries around the world. In fact, all 54 African nations brought the issue of police violence against black people up in the United Nations. It's a little embarrassing for countries around the world to be protesting on behalf of human rights in the United States. That's our role in the world, not people raising the issue with us. And so my hope is, is that with all the pressure from around the world, I am hoping that the Senate will choose to act. And we plan to be a part of that national and international pressure to get the the Senate to move. So, uh, Representative Bass, it is our 100th episode of Hysteria, Ah. and it's also the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. And the fight to secure the right to vote for all women, even 100 years later, is ongoing. So as chairwoman of the Congressional Black Caucus, your committee is hard at working combating voter suppression Can you walk our listeners through what Congress is currently working on to change the disenfranchisement of voters of color? Well, I do have to tell you, that's another bill that's sitting over in the Senate. (laughs) We passed the bill earlier this year because if you remember a few years ago when the Supreme Court essentially dismantled the Voting Rights Act, uh, the court told Congress we had to act. And so we've done that. And the bill is sitting in the Senate. 
This is another issue that I believe is very embarrassing for us on the world stage. The richest country, the history of the world, the most advanced technology in the world, and we're making it difficult for people to vote. Right now, people literally have to risk their lives to go vote. In Wisconsin, when people were forced to go vote in person, I think it was over 60 people uh, tested positive afterwards for COVID-19. Now, we can't say that's the exact day they caught it, but the fact that you had so many people that tested positive afterwards makes voting in person, depending on where you are and where the virus is, dangerous. So in this day and age, there are some states in the country that have 100% mail-in voting. Now, this is a strategy that Republicans have used for years. All of a sudden that we want to make it universal, the Republicans, and in particular the president, is trying to make uh, mail-in voting out to be something that is dangerous and, and it's going to be voter fraud. Well, if you see some of the states that have been doing it for a long time, their technology is very advanced, and they actually can demonstrate that voting by mail is more secure because of the way they have it identified with barcodes, you know, uh, et cetera. Are you hopeful going into the general election? I'm very hopeful going into the general election. I believe it's our election to lose. And I also believe that the only way that uh, Trump is reelected is through uh, voter suppression. I really do. And, and so that's why the, the only cure, in my opinion, for voter suppression is organizing. Obviously, I would love for there to be a legislative cure. In our country, we need to invest billions of dollars into our voting infrastructure. Um, but I know if we passed billions of dollars for voting today, what would happen in this administration is they would just simply not spend the money. We've already voted for hundreds of millions of dollars that the administration already has for, to improve our voting system. But I don't believe, I don't trust them to actually spend the money. And when they do spend the money and allocate it to states, they allocate it to states that do everything they can to suppress the vote. So that's why I believe in this particular election, our only answer is to organize. And we're very good at that. Now, the other thing is that, and I say this every morning, and I think it's important for us to do, there are 127,000 dead Americans in four months. And we have a president that it doesn't even seem to have phased him. And I just think that's beyond tragic. And I know that the American people understand that he has mismanaged this virus because he honestly doesn't care. And uh, I was looking at polls today and 19% of Republicans, hear me, 19%, one nine think the country's on the right track. So he's losing women. He's losing college-educated people. Uh, so I think that it's our election to lose, but we will lose it if we don't organize. So we have to ask, of course, uh, Joe Biden. I, I hear he's looking for a running mate, and uh, <laughs> Biden Bass has a kind of nice ring to it. If <laughs> Joe Biden approached you about running for VP, would you be interested? You know, uh, one, questions about that have to be referred to the campaign, but I will just tell you that I am going to do everything in my power to make sure he wins. And when he is sworn in as president in January of 2021, to make sure that he has a very successful president. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that that happens. Well, that is 
great to hear. It's so exciting to see so many people in Washington energized about getting the current guy out of there and getting Aww. a new guy in there. And uh, it's always great to talk to you, Representative Bass. Thank, Thank you. you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch, enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I or, love that for Viore. Is that, you know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. <laughs> it is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> five stars no five, comment 100% great that's the type that's my favorite sport the new the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit all things that are absolutely essential in a legging essential uh, I love these leggings they are because you know like not everybody's the same you know so mm-hmm. it's like I need a little bit more room around my booty so I size up a little bit, but then it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just just pull that drawstring and I don't show show any crack when I bend over. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack. (laughs) (laughs) For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so pr- Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to fiori.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Okay, we're back with me still is Alyssa Mastromonaco, but I want to welcome two more wonderful women to this 100th episode edition of Hysteria. First up, she's a comedian and one of Indiana's top five exports. It's Megan Gailey. <laughs> Thank you so much. Wow, so I good really to see love you. that. It's great to see you guys. Um, how, how are you? How are you doing? Same as before? Um, well, in this current moment, I am hungover. Um, okay. <laughs> and so I'm okay. I'm okay. I've got like a little froggy in my voice <clears throat> and it was making me sound, I thought, cool, but I've gotten rid of it now for the sake of the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to think having a little bit of a scratchy voice sounded awesome. And whenever oh, I had, I was like sure. losing my voice a little bit, I was like, I sound so cool. <laughs> yeah. I still think that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get the frog back, Megan. Um, 
Last but not least, she is a writer for the forthcoming Babysitter's Club series, which you can stream on Netflix this Friday. It's Riri Cheney. Hi. Uh, congratulations on the show. Thank you. I love writing something in a year later it happening. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm so excited that to work on a show about girls doing it for them damn selves. Hell yeah. It's really great. It's getting good reviews too. Yeah, it's like, I think... It is this like little bit of a moment where you kind of need like just tender, pure programming, but also they're like really fun and funny and like they look good and they like are listened to. I think that's all like these girls say things and then people listen and then things happen. I, uh, I really enjoy that, but I'm really excited for the world to see what my beautiful bosses and I worked on. What was your favorite member of the Babysitter's Club so, when you were a kid and and now? So I am one of those, uh, I don't have a big sister and I think I missed the Babysitter's Club when I was little. So yeah. I just knew of it as like this like major, major thing. And I was like, how do you, in my little brain, be like, how do I start? Book number one, <laughs> that sounds crazy. <laughs> um, but then I like fell into them so deeply. I feel like I have like a real um, like Stacy Sun, Christy Moon, you know, like I, I feel like I try to be very practical. I love to count. And I talk about um, visiting my family in the city a lot when I was little. Um, but I also am very hard on myself and very, you know, try to be um, the best version of myself that I can be, which I think is a big high Christy energy. Mm-hmm. Did you guys read them when you were little? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I read I love I'm the a little film. old. Oh, okay. I loved the I was a big fan of the film as well. Got it. Yeah. Is that a movie or was it a show? Yeah, there know. was a show and a movie. Okay. Like, the 90s was really like fitting for it. Um, yeah, I was so into the Babysitters Club, but I was into Babysitters Little Sister, which is a spin-off mm-hmm. for because I was like too young to read. My mom didn't want me like I was like a young reader. And she didn't want me like in, you know, first grade reading books about like, you know, a 12 year old having a boyfriend or whatever. So I had to <laughs> read um, the little sister books. And I learned a lot about Karen. Who oh, is yes. Christie's oh. stepsister. With I, a wild imagination. I will say our version of Karen may be my favorite character in the show right now. She's really like there's high like. I understand the spiritual realms. Um, I also think Mrs. Havisham is a goal. Like, there's a lot of that. Wow. Like, she has, like, blind confidence, which I really love. I guess the Karens need someone to root for right so, now, exactly. you know? Exactly. It's a Karen rebrand the Babysitter's Club. Honestly, the Karens need a good break. Um, well, I'm excited to watch it. I, had, I have such a nostalgic place for that show and and all those characters. And I'm really glad that you got to write for it. That's so exciting. I'm excited. Thanks, baby. Um, Okay. Well, let's pivot to the topic of conversation today. Um, Like a shitty guy you went home with during a time you were experiencing exceptionally low self-esteem, American men don't want to wear protection if it in any way diminishes their pleasure. Ooh, drag us. Drag us hard. (laughs) Consequences be damned. So here's my... Here's the thing I want to talk about today. We have a problem in this country where people are not wanting to wear masks or adhere to any public safety measures. And um, there's been a pattern in who those people are. And they are 
a lot of men. So my question is, what is wrong with us? What is, what is wrong? <laughs> Where to even start? It? Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard because we are all mask wearers and even like my husband was like, what's the topic today? And I said, why men won't wear masks. And then I go, I'm going to tell them you don't. And he goes, no, no, because he does. <laughs> you know, he, did a lot. he does wear them. He was like, don't lie about me. So it's like worse. I'm surrounded by empathetic, thoughtful, intelligent people. And one, one of the articles we read for prep for this was like America is being judged as a yeah. whole right now. And that's what's so terrifying is not only being judged, we're being dragged down and this pandemic is going to last longer and kill more people because of the worst in our society. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. really terrifying. Yeah, I mean, this week it came out that when the EU opens up tourism again, Americans are not welcome and Americans still can't go to Canada. Um, what do you guys make of that? I mean, uh, no, I mean, I just remember Holland Taylor, like two weeks ago tweeted, good for you. Keep us out. And I was like, that's so amazing. It's true. I know. We don't deserve it. The EU was like, don't call us, we'll call you. Yeah. It's, oh God, in Oceans 11, 12, and 13 really be playing during this quarantine. Um, It is like, I mean, even past like our international reputation, because obviously that has been just shot to shit with a shit cannon, you know? Um, It's really frustrating to think of how we're, yes, like how Megan said, like how we're being looked at because even once again, we're in this protective liberal bubble where we're like, yes, protect yourselves. Like, let's try to do this for each other. Um, but it's also frustrating because I think of all of the people who really are trying to protect, like to work and like to really like all of these thank you essential worker commercials, like aside from however much money these marketing companies are making, like these people are really, really trying to keep folk alive. And I just feel, I feel heart sick for them having to see, like to have that experience of, don't you guys see we're hustling and we're trying to like save you guys. And like, you know, you have nurses falling sick and you have like people really like out there outreaching to the unhoused. And it just, it's very frustrating. Um yeah, it's like when you get branded by the worst kid in your class, but the worst kid in your class is a full-on mm-hmm. asshole. <laughs> um, Alyssa, do you think American culture has selfishness woven into it? Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like when you think about it, this is not – it's a fucking mm-hmm. piece of cloth over your mouth, which – you can get for free in most states. Like if you go to the Department of Health website and it's like, if you need a mask, here's where they're giving out free today. And uh, this just, it's not, it's not fucking hard. And it's depressing. It's like really depressing, actually, that the thing is when you go to, for me, like if you go to the store, the people who aren't wearing masks didn't just forget them. (laughs) You know, it's not like, oh, I left it in the car. They're like, fuck you. You're not infringing on my rights. Fuck you. I mean, it's, 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 uh, Mm -hmm. it's terrible. It's terrible. And, and it's, uh, there are so many people from June 1st to July 1st, cases are up 50% in like 75% of the states in America. And, 
People are dying. And that's the other thing. First, they were like, oh, no, it's fine. People are getting sick, but no one's dying. Well, they're dying now, so I hope someone thinks it's a fucking problem. And all you have to do is put your mask on to be able to get baseball back and, like, restaurants back and all the things you complain about. All you got to do is put that cloth on your mouth. But it's a bridge too far for these assholes. So, you know, have your civil liberties. I had tickets to Janet Jackson in August and I can't go and I'm still mad about it. But it's like your civil liberties do not allow you to be a, yes, I see you doing the moves, babe. Your civil liberties do not allow you, you to be you. a public health hazard. And I don't know when that got right. lost in the, in the sauce. Like it's very, it's so infuriating. And also I think I started to think about is when you, I was watching uh, the news because uh, pain and interviewing people who were like, you know, it doesn't even help me that much wearing this mask. And it's the that much that really fucks with my brain because right now they're saying it can help you about 20% to stop like your personal um, in, getting infected. So you don't want to stop it at least 20%. You don't think that like that is enough of a, of a, like a protective barrier to protect yourself. Why don't you have a sense of like self-preservation, you dumb dick? And I just, oh God, I'm sweating. (laughs) I mean, do you think that it has something to do, Megan, with the fact that it's like, it is slightly less comfortable to go out in the world with a mask on than without a mask on. Do you think that it, the people that are complaining the most are people that have never had to be inconvenienced by anything else in their lives? Absolutely. I mean, the the vibe of like, the, whenever I see men running at night, I'm like, wow, what a phenomenon, you know, like that would, that's, that would never <laughs> cross any of our minds. I see yeah. all of us nodding like, yeah, we can't run it. And, and, and so this is kind of, they've had to do something. I also feel like I, there's men in my life who have freaked out, like aren't ordering food, like have really clamped down so aggressively. And I think that is also a way to have control over something when this is the first time in their life, they feel like there is no control. So I see men going both ways. And it does sort of seem, at least in my like sociological um, experiment I've done only within my family, that that if you're educated, (laughs) you're kind of more inclined to be paranoid. It goes to this thing of like, it feels like it's Trump voters to me. And I know that that's maybe just because like what I'm seeing on the news. But when I see someone not wearing a mask, I'm like, I want to know who you voted for. Like that you, you seem so fundamentally different that like, Mm -hmm. I think you voted for It's also like, what is... (laughs) It seems like it's fully made the transition from like a fandom to like a standum to like a death cult that you're willing to, in order to uh, put forward the image of the reality that your leader prefers over actual reality, you're willing to endanger yourself and other people because that's just what he prefers to look at. It just honestly feels like a death cult to me. Mm -hmm. Well, and you realize how much of a death cult it is because even Mitch McConnell, mm-hmm. Kevin McCarthy, all these fucking Trump sycophants are like, please wear a mask. Please, please wear a mask. It would yeah. Lamar Alexander after mm-hmm. the hearing yesterday with Fauci and uh, 
Redfield and Giroir, he's kicked off the the hearing with, please wear a mask, please wear a mask. And then afterwards said it would be great if President Trump would wear a mask sometimes to signal to people that they should wear one. So here's the thing. President Trump wearing a mask doesn't signal shit to me. Mm. So who is it signal to? His crazies who are like, if you really love Trump, you won't wear a mask. But it also is, you think, if you, but also, I mean, we were probably not the country to brand this as wear a mask to protect other people. But if that is the virtue that wearing a mask shows... The, uh, President Trump's uh, definitely not going to virtue signal that to his voters because they're not trying to protect the rest of us. So I think it just falls into just like a larger conversation of like, what, who are, are we in this whole thing together? I don't think we are. And I had that moment too where I thought like, oh, I'm protecting other people. Well, if they're not trying to fucking protect me, why am I protecting them? And I still I still wear a mask. Mm-hmm. It's it's deeply frustrating that I still exist by a rule of moral law that a lot of the country doesn't live by. Well, and you know, the funny thing to me is that the whole point, the whole theory, right, behind, uh, behind opening up, opening up, got to get business back, got to get business back. Um, The wild thing is, is that if you look at so many like small businesses specifically right now, I don't know about you guys, but if you go into a store up here near me, it's like, do not walk in here without your mask. Do not come in here without gloves because if one of us in this store gets sick, we have to shut for another two weeks. And like, so like their, their fucking theory about not wearing masks doesn't even make sense based on like the, the premise that they put forward, which is like, we got to come back. Got business got to open. Well, yeah, it's got to stay open too once you actually open. Yeah. I mean, I am worried though about the way that this shutdown and the the complete fumbling of it is going to really hurt people because um, I believe mm-hmm. that they have decided to extend um, some of the pandemic benefits into August now. It was originally supposed to expire in July and now I think it's expiring in August. But you know, in places where a lot of people work in the service industry, the hospitality mm-hmm. industry, um, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit unrealistic to expect a person trying to survive on a low wage to have six months worth of living expenses socked away. And, you know, yeah. it's it's also a little bit unrealistic to expect people who who work in as freelancers or like in a gig economy to be able to survive on that amount of time without working. And I feel like the longer that we go with people just kind of being like, I can't take it anymore. And just totally flouting the mask rules and setting us back, the more it's endangering those people's ability to ever have a livelihood again. I was, I was talking to my brother yesterday and we were talking about how, like, what would we do if we were like, you know, what if 22 and just gotten out of college where would we go? How would we live? We would have to move home. There would be like no way for us to mm-hmm, make money. Mm-hmm. And some people don't even have parents who would right. take them back in. So like, what is going to happen to all of these people who are collateral damage for selfish decisions from guys who just don't want to feel emasculated? Wow. No pun intended. Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. I I mean, I've thought about that a lot. I like have a lot of friends who are performers or creative people. And especially in New York, um, 
a lot of theater friends who just don't have jobs, don't know what they're going to do, don't, you know. And weirdly, there is this like anxious piece about it because there is literally nothing they can do. Right. Um, And everyone keeps saying, you know, like, I okay, if we have a vaccine by next summer, next fall or whatever, what is the world going to look like? I mean, how many people are not going to have their, not even like I own my home, like your studio apartment that you've been hustling for, that room that you've been paying for. Like it is, I think there might be a rush to uh, occupations that the mainstream does not allow, you know, like I've already seen more people work, like doing sex work to, you know, whether it is because of economic necessity or just refocusing because like the other things are not going to be more available um, and or less, you know, um, reputable things are going to happen. So it actually like there's a worry of like uh, necessity and danger, mm-hmm. actually, that I think about, especially in like major cities. Like I got mugged right before Christmas and when I went to the bank to get my credit cards again, the woman was like, oh, yeah, this happens a lot around this holiday because people are really struggling. Imagine that mm-hmm. on like a national scale. Um, I don't think that's being talked about enough, actually. Yeah, we're all going to be that couple in St. Louis standing outside not knowing how to hold their guns. Those people. Oh, my God. I mean, of course, they're lawyers. The, yeah, they're lawyers, of course. When I saw them, I was like, these people are lawyers. I knew it because you only act that crazy if you're like, I know the law. I know my right. Those are I know my rights people. Well, I read something this morning that said that they actually they're like, we do support Black Lives Matter, Life Matter, Lives Matter but we're very concerned about the um, welfare of our pets. And I was just like, oh, dope. Yeah, yeah. Not one pet has been harmed during Black Lives Matter. I, I know. They were like, they literally, I was like, we ain't coming for your dogs. We're down with them. It's the rest of them. Riri, off your earlier point of, about this sort of anxious piece, some of it too is when I start to be like, oh my, oh my God, I, I haven't made money or it's like, Everyone, everyone is in the same boat. Everyone. Yeah. We're in, we're in a giant sinking ship together. And, and you want to believe as just a human being that there will be help and that they will look and say, oh my God, it's, it's the, it's a financial pandemic as well. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like there is no help actually coming, which is the, they're forcing people to go back to work so they don't have to help us. Like it's, it's really, if, if you had any amount of hope that the system was in place to help people, all of that has been shattered. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been thinking, and Alyssa, I've been wondering what you think about this. I've been thinking a lot about how, you know, Joe Biden is really crushing in polls and it seems like everybody agrees that he's better than what is going on right now. But it's such a yeah, it's such a big tent of people that will be getting him into office. It'll be like Bill Crystal and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Like they're both voting for the same candidate for president. <laughs> and then once he gets in there, um there's going to be a whole lot of fighting about what they actually the voted is for. To, yeah. yeah. So what do you think that's going to look like? Oh, I think it's going to be a real thing. Um <laughs> You know, it's like, look, it's like, it's like you remember back during the primaries when there were like all these Republicans opining on like who should be the Democratic nominee. 
I went, I don't know how I started following them in the first place, but I just went through and muted and was like, you have your person, you know, I don't know who you voted for in 16, but like you can tamp that down. Um, oh no, they're all going to be, everyone's going to have a fucking opinion. All the Republicans are going to be like, Joe Biden, no, no, no. He's the president of America. He's going to vote for all. He's going to govern. I think that, that his, I think that if I'm Joe Biden, the first, my first mm-hmm. hundred day plan is just getting America back on track. It's like, do people have houses? Do people have food? Do people have jobs? If they don't, what am I doing to help those people? Which I think is sort of what any president, Republican or Democrat should be doing right now and would be doing then. But no, I think that he's going to have, you know, look, there are going to be, I think, a lot of Republicans who are like, I fucking did you a solid and voted for you. So like, where's my piece? <laughs> and I, it's not really, I think, uh, what should do or would th- happen. Do you think he's going to, for the sake of like time and and getting through what he wants, it's going to be executive orders. Like he's just going to It can be. I mean, it it can be, you know, they have to stand up to like legal review and they have to be enforceable. Mm -hmm. But I think if I'm him, I feel like there's probably a lot he can jam through Congress, which is why we have to vote for everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, this isn't just a presidential Mm -hmm. election. This is (laughs) all the people who came in 2018, they got to be voted back into office. Like there's some incremental change that's been happening. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to keep happening if if everyone doesn't get out and vote. And that's why I, I also I worry about turnout because yeah. it's like in 2016, you're like, who is honestly going to vote for Donald Trump? And I think a lot of people yeah. were like, I don't like Hillary. And so they just stayed home. Mm-hmm. And this time, mm-hmm. I think that the contrast is so equally stark that people are like, um, they're like, 127,000 Americans as of July 1st who have died, who like probably didn't need to from this disease. So like, who's really going to vote for Donald Trump again? A lot of people. And so that's why I think that, you know, it seems like such a no brainer, but all those people not wearing masks are going to vote. So they don't have to wear masks anymore. They're loyal. They're loyal to a fault. And it, and it does feel like you really, really hope they're shrinking. I mean, there's part of me that like doesn't even want to look at the poll numbers because it feels like a sad, frightening deja vu. Yeah. Um, and there's just, yeah, we're, it's like, we're so far. It just feels we're so far away. Oh my God, you guys. <laughs> I mean, well, I was, I was taking a nap during his um, uh, Tulsa thing. So I woke up. <laughs> I love napping. God, I love it. <laughs> and I uh, woke up to Twitter having a field day about the, like, in-person turnout. Yeah. And everyone was real doing a dance, make a little love, getting down. And then you look at the ratings for, like, his speech, and they were, it was the highest Fox News has had in 24 right. years. Mm-hmm. So, and I keep having these, like, four-year-ago flashbacks when, you know, not at this level, but you have... Facebook not turning off autoplay of black people getting shot and it was our everyone's front page and you had Orlando and you had Hillary in a beautiful suit at Pride and we thought well there we go and it Pride ended yesterday and this is the exact same space mm-hmm. we felt and I I can't I can't feel joy. I I can't feel any sort of, I want hope. I can't find it because I'm still afraid that my mother's going to get sick and I won't be able to see her. Um, So it is this sort of like, 
infrastructure-minded thing that is haunting me now when I look at the elections we've had in the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. of like lines and voter suppression and um, people being healthy enough to go and, you know, making those pleas to judges to keep doors open. I voted in Los Angeles and they had already, there were less voting centers than there had been the last election for my district. And I had to wait an hour and a half. Yes, I have a very silly job, but, and I could wait an hour and a half. That's not it. So I like, when you think about like all the, if the theme is protection and what we need to protect to like keep America or to let us be, get closer to our better selves, but our voting rights are the, I don't know, we need to mask those up. (laughs) I couldn't fix, I couldn't fix the metaphor. I couldn't get there at the end, but I thought it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in the year that is the hundredth anniversary of the 19th amendment being ratified where Technically, women were allowed to vote. Now, in practice, that wasn't really the case. Only some women were actually. I was like, some of them. Some of them got to vote. But thinking now about, I've been thinking a lot about the ways that women's voting patterns have saved America's ass over and over again. Like, if you removed women from voting, like in the last several presidential elections, basically the worst possible candidate would always win. And right now when we're taking a look at polling and I hate like relying too much on polls, but there are voters that Trump had in 2016 that he's losing now. And some of them are the white women who voted for him. Mm -hmm. And uh, so hopefully women can get it together when men will not and fix this once again, because I don't think we can rely on men to do it. Um, I hope so. I mean, I mean, I I want to believe, but then you have a woman losing her shit in a in a Walmart for not wearing a mask. You know, yeah, like that is a that's a question I have. It's men not wearing the masks. Like there are studies that has been proven statistically, but all of the viral videos are of white women flipping out, <laughs> and I'm like, well, the, do the men just not go grocery shopping? I, like, where I think are that's they? part of it. <laughs> Okay. That's a huge part of it. Also, there was that video of that man who tried to like body check a guy who wouldn't let him. Yeah, I remember that. It was like a Costco. He wear a mask. Yeah, I do I remember like, Costco yeah. guy. And then he like literally he pushed so hard he fell to the ground. And then he just like started running wild through the store. So yeah, Liz is right. Mostly it's because these men aren't shopping. Yeah, but there is something. Like, I don't go to Trader Joe's. But I think there is something gendered there. Yeah. I mean, because no, here's the truth. I don't know how it is by you guys, but in a lot of stores, it's still one person per cart. So like Mm -hmm. if you have a family, only one member of the family can go in shopping. And so when I go to the store, old shop, right? Uh, it's mostly ladies. Full Stepford Wives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I want to believe Not that. where I... There are no Stepford Wives, by the way. There are some of those crazy viral ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Dancing um, around. Do you know at our PetSmart up here, I've talked to the checkout woman all the time. She's very nice. Of course. And I was like, hey, like since we've been into phase three, like how's it going? She told me they have to break up a fight at least once a day between someone wearing a mask and not wearing a mask and that it's 50-50 between the person with the mask attacking the person without one, being like, get out of the store and stop fucking being in my space. Yeah. And the person without the mask being like, you fucking liver, get out of here. And I was like, been pet smart? She's like, yeah, it's wild. I mean, the level of rage wow. that is being so easily tapped into does have me like deeply scared. 
because it is, you know, like we make, I do believe it is very gendered. The reason why we are seeing so many women videos, um, even though they would know, I would never invite them into my black home. I don't think (laughs) there, I think there is something about wanting to see a a hysterical woman, but I do think Mm -hmm. that, um, it, everyone is very in touch with this like hair trigger. I'm going to pull a gun to protect my Shih Tzu. I don't, you are too close to me. Why are you too close to me? We're both getting Cheerios. Leave me alone. Like even in your most, like everyone wearing masks, everyone liberal Bristol farms where I go shopping. Hey, um, it is like the energy is very, um, worrisome and I know it's part of like just this, the civil unrest, the national unrest, and no one feels even the pe- most safe behind uh, Gates morning show actors uh, still feel this <laughs> like anxiety, which I, it's really sad. It speaks to like a, a mental health problem that is probably really yeah. bubbling that no one will address ever and then wonder why everyone has PTSD in 10 years and has too many garbanzo beans. <laughs> I mean, the reality is like when an, when a masked person sees an unmasked person, they are thinking that person is killing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is they don't it's care. actually life or death. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why everyone is so like on edge because if, if someone bumps into you, you do feel like, oh my God, this is it. Now yeah. I'm gone. Like there's, it, it's, it's not even like, oh, I lose my job. Like it's actual death. And that is so terrifying to just kind of pack away in a little attic bedroom at the back of your brain that pops out anytime you feel like your safety is threatened. Right. Well, it's like watching somebody in public just playing Russian roulette just at other people. Like, and it's like, you know, chances are they're not going to pass a disease onto you, but they also might, you know, there's like one bullet in that chamber. There's a possibility they could be out there infecting people. Well, and the thing is, it's such, it's such fuck, it's, I mean, it's hubris, of course, on a whole other level. But the thing that is so shocking to me is the idea that anyone thinks the end is anywhere in sight. You know, we have learned something new probably every week since this all happened. How you contract it, how you pass it. Is it six feet? Is it 13 feet? Is it 27 feet? You know, um, just touching, just hockey. Should you be inside? Should you be outside? Right, all these things. And the fact that, you know, today they're talking about the vaccine. Oh, we all know that we will be much better off when there's a vaccine. And so the the Trump people are all like, see, vaccine, it's going to be fine. There were 36 people in that trial and they all needed two doses to have any sort of efficacy. And then last night, there was a whole other study that came out of China that said, if you have it, now think about this. Think if you had COVID in March or February, the tests that the Chinese show, the studies the Chinese did showed that the antibodies you have may only last a few weeks or months. So like, oh. what the fuck are these? Like, that's the thing. When you read that, you're like, what are people yeah. doing without a mask on? Like, stay, yeah. stay six feet away from me and wear your mask because who mm-hmm. knows? Who knows if the disease is mutating? We have no idea. And so I just think it's like, mm-hmm. I think we're four pretty smart people and we know nothing. So the fact that these people without masks <laughs> think they know more than us is like hilarious. 
There's also, I think there was a study that came out that said a third of Americans said they would not get the vaccine yes. if it's available. Well, then that, and then that doesn't work. And yeah. then it doesn't work. I went and had, I went and got my antibodies um, checked just on a whim. You know, I was just like, I just want to see my parents, yeah. please. And I asked the nurse, I was like, have a lot of people had it? And she said, not one person. She has tested Hundreds, not one person tested positive for the antibodies. Yep. Cool. And that's <laughs> terrifying how far this herd immunity, herd immunity is years away. LOL. And millions of people will die. Mm. You're like, that's not, that's not even on the table. Yeah. We're all moving to the country. Guys. Yeah. Like <laughs> as I, my trees around me, I mean, I did like when people were talking about vaccines and like trying to rush vaccines and whatever, I did have a real, I am legend moment where I was like, I'm going to let some people get it first. But <laughs> <laughs> just like um, historically uh, vaccines, uh, new testing, black people, I'm just going to see some of y'all do it before it gets <laughs> right. to me. I can wait well, it and out. Also, <laughs> if they don't make the vaccines, if the vaccines have efficacy, mm -hmm. if they work, are they going to make them free and available to everybody? Oh, no. So then what the fuck no. does it matter anyway? I mean, it's like that's the no. – these, pe these people without masks, they are just they – are, they are right. uninformed. They dropped that casual three grand for the vaccine number yeah. a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I was like, oh, so y'all don't – y'all want it to end. Okay. Everybody wants this yeah. whole thing to end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah, I had a, there was a version of the world where the WGA went on strike this summer and I couldn't work and I had planned on living in Portugal. Mm -hmm. And now I can't live in Portugal. What about my high class problems? Why won't they let me live <laughs> my life? <laughs> Speaking of high class problems. I know, mama. <laughs> Honey, this hem wrap, this, the progress this is isn't incredible. just for a pop of color. This is, you're doing, it's a vibe, it's a vibrant thing. You're doing a I know, it's. Work. It's punk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we're all kind of hoping that the vaccine is going to be like a Jonas Salk situation where like now nobody gets polio anymore and it's perfect. Mm -mm, but that's really a mm -mm. best, it's really a best case scenario where we can just. His grandson worked for me on the Obama campaign. Oh, that's what a <laughs> great a good boy. <laughs> Very good. What an excellent grandpa. Very to good. Have. Very helpful. A real do anything kind of kid. I'm already imagining all the GoFundMes we're going to have to create for people to be able to get the vaccine. We're just one mm -hmm. giant GoFundMe. Which is, shouldn't that be? We'll put this on the it. list for should Netflix. It? We could have like a pageant for it or a contest yes. where it's like you prove your worth and then the top like 10 are like, it's almost like America's got yeah. talent. Yes. America gets vaccine where you like explain why you deserve it. Season five of The Handmaid's Tale. I mean, couldn't you just describe a massive GoFundMe as social services supplemented by the federal government? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about a massive GoFundMe that pays for everybody's health? What if we just yeah. like, hmm, what, about, yeah. what about that? What if you got a number, let's say a social security number, and then that number match, <laughs> or maybe not, maybe not a social security number, maybe just you exist here and you're a human. Like, <laughs> that's that's crazy. Uh, Let's. I would put Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders in charge oh of that my God, project. Never has like 
um, going to Six Flags with a hundred five-year-old energy plus like your uncle who only shows up when he knows you haven't studied for your SAT energy like collided in a very specific <laughs> way. Oh man. Well, I, guys, I feel like we solved the mask problem for sure. Was um, this celebratory? Yeah, we solved it. <laughs> was this it. a good celebratory episode? <laughs> yeah. Well, we did it. We've done this a hundred times and Megan, you've been here from the beginning and Riri, you're the newest member of the crew and I just really cherish all of you. I'm very glad to have to have everybody here. So Alyssa, we got some good news this week. What would that be? Some good news from the Supreme Court. We've gotten like three three like surprisingly good outcomes from the Supreme Court this session. And I think the third one tasted extra sweet, just given the other two. I was able to finally enjoy them all in their entirety. I enjoyed it a lot when you texted me what had happened because I was making jam and I was away from the news. And if you had not done it, I would not have been able to enjoy the moment with you. Yes. And that moment we're talking of is obviously um, our win in the Supreme Court for abortion rights, where a law in Louisiana was struck down. Now, I can think of no better person to talk to about this then Alexis McGill Johnson. She is the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood Federation of America and the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. And I can't wait to hear what she has to say. Let's give her a call. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. First off, can you talk to us a little bit about why the Supreme Court ruling that came down on Monday is so important? What's the gist of the case and what was the court deciding on? Okay, so the the decision um, uh, on Monday was so significant because um, essentially what the chief justice did in joining the um, the liberal majority was uh, was say, we're not going to overturn 40 years of precedent that um, that we're not going to let uh, this case that we actually decided four years ago in Whole Women's Health in Texas, the, the same same case word for word, um, we're not going to ignore that case. Even though I thought that was a bad decision, I'm going to actually uphold the precedent here and ensure that um, if, we, if, if, if that decision was that uh, it was an undue burden, this also is, uh, we're going to have to agree with that precedent for now. And so for us, it, you know, essentially it was a um, it was a sigh of relief. It was a, a kind of recognition that abortion access is protected for now in Louisiana. And um, and it also means that, you know, if they had let the law stand, uh, we, we, could, we would have seen that um, that same law be introduced in state legislatures across the country or maybe even through executive order, given what what uh, many governors have done through uh, through the pandemic. And so. Essentially, it, it kind of gave us a pause that this this one particular type of restriction um, is uh, as, as already decided by the court as to be um, too much of a burden. But keep in mind, there are also 16 other cases that are winding their way up, right? They're a, they're a case away um, in an incredible, uh, increasingly conservative judiciary. And so um, no, the notion that this um, we get to we get to fight another day is true. Um, but we also have a lot more fighting to do. Access to abortion for women, uh, particularly women of color, has always been a struggle, specifically in conservative states. Does this decision change that reality at all? 
no, I, not at all. And I think, you know, Roe is still hanging on by a thread, right? We know that there are, you know, what we call abortion deserts um, in, in many um, states across the country. And just last year, there were 25 abortion bans that were introduced in about a dozen states, including Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, where there is, you know, obviously are um, populations that um, uh, not only are low income, but largely people of color. And so, you know, I mean, we just saw actually this month, like a talk about pandemic time, just this month, Tennessee politicians introduced um, um, a nesting ban, um, you know, as a as a way to continue to chip away at abortion access. So, no, this is this is not stop. They're relentless. They're unyielding um, in this pursuit. And that's exactly how we need to be in response. Were you surprised by the decision or Justice Roberts sort of recent string of votes with the liberal side of the court? No, I mean, you know, I'm not one to read the tea leaves of, of the court. I do think that um, that Justice Roberts respecting precedent, I thought, was a um, uh, was a welcome, you know, again, sigh of relief, because I think that that says a lot. I think that looking at the ways in which, um, you know, the, the other makeup of the court, right, seeing Gorsuch and seeing um, Kavanaugh do exactly what they promised to do. Um, you know, was also pretty um, not surprising, uh, but also, you know, continues to be very concerning. So that means that the court continues to hang in the balance um, and that we know, you know, Leader McConnell just just confirmed his 200th conservative judge. Right. The 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 federal judiciary, one out of four judges are um, have now been appointed by the Trump administration. And so, you know, and, and these are judges who are on record you know, who are, are certainly opposed to Roe, but also opposed to things like in vitro fertilization and, you know, um, surrogacy. And so the the extremity of their views as it relates to sexual and reproductive health means that we cannot, you know, not um, continue the fight. I mean, the, the future is still uncertain. It seems like opponents of abortion go through different kind of cycles and strategies to try to chip away at Roe. And the strategy they were using in Louisiana and Texas to regulate abortion providers was one of the ways. It seems like that that avenue is now closed. What do you see as the next tactic that they're going to try to use to take away abortion rights? Uh, well, I mean, I think we see them in the in the cases that are that are winding their way up, right? We see kind of. Um, bans um, uh, based on on sex selection or Down syndrome or, you know, race. Um, we see the the um, the the nesting bans. Right. Which is that if you you know, um, if they strike down the six week, that means, you know, that that that, that it becomes illegal to have an abortion at eight weeks. If they strike down the eight weeks. It becomes, you know, illegal to have abortion at, at 10 weeks, uh, 20 weeks and so forth. And so I think that those um, that those bans will continue to be challenged. I think, you know, um, the uh, you know all of all of the um, the the restrictions are intended to criminalize you know abortion providers um, as and, and increasingly criminalize and shame um, abortion seekers and so I think that you know um, the pivot that we've seen in the, introdu- in, in the introduction of some of this legislation that you know, originally had been to just put these restrictions around how abortion was provided. Now, things like criminalizing miscarriage, um, you know, it just, it, it's, it's incredibly extreme. And, you know, we know what public opinion is, right? Public, there, there's no state in this country that does not believe that Roe should be the law of the land. And yet we have this uh, vocal minority 
who ha- is controlling the levers of power in, in, in many states across the country. And, um, and that's really, you know, the, structurally what we are confronting um, in the event that Roe falls. Um, I was reading the news this morning and I saw that uh, President Trump and a lot of Republicans are once again going to bat to protect naming things after Confederate generals. They're really fighting hard to protect things named after Confederate generals. Do you think that Republicans would be more likely to protect abortion if we named it after a Confederate general? The Robert E. Lee <laughs> uh, Center for Abortion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my the old Stonewell Jackson. That's what we're... <laughs> um, Alexis McGill Johnson, do you have anything that you would like to add for our listeners to uh, know about this case, what's coming up, and um, how they can participate in the fight? You know, look, I mean, it just everything is on the line right now. Um, you know, and I think what's really important is that we are. What's ironic, actually, your your point about the Confederacy just made me think that what's so interesting is that for a party that is supposed to really be all about freedom, right? Freedom of speech, freedom of ideology, freedom to carry guns, you know, into state houses, freedom to not wear a mask. Like the, the, their attempts to criminalize freedom is, is, is just so astounding, whether they're criminalizing freedom, you know, uh, you know, to seek better lives at the, uh, you know, in immigration, they're, they're criminalizing the freedoms to, um, you know, to like live, live our own lives and our own affirmed identities, whether they're seeking to criminalize the freedom around how our bodies, you know, are, are controlled or how we can control our own bodies, our own self-determination. It just seems like it's so antithetical to what they say is supposed to be their core, uh, their core value and their core mission. And yet they're fighting against it because they're really not about freedom. They're about control. Agreed. Thank you so much for joining us. And again, congratulations on the positive ruling on Monday, hoping that there are more to come. Thank you. Okay, we have to take a break, but when we come back, a little bit of housekeeping and I feel petty. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Okay, before we get to I Feel Petty, a little bit of housekeeping. First up, if you haven't already, you should check out That's the Ticket. That's Alyssa and Dan's bonus series on the vice presidential selection process. Alyssa, episode one was a delight. Thank you. This week, we have a deep dive into Geraldine Ferraro, who is the first woman picked to run on a ticket, uh, and Rebecca Traster. So you can imagine it's full of everything. I love Rebecca Traister. She is a national treasure. She is a. Na- I told her that she didn't agree. <laughs> she would. She wouldn't though, and that's part of what makes her a national treasure, is that she would never agree that she is a national treasure. It's true. But when you call me America's soulmate, I agree with you. <laughs> um, anyway, everybody should definitely check that out. It is a, an extremely informative, listenable, fun insight into something that I really didn't know anything about before I started listening to it. So that's the ticket. Next, uh, new Hysteria merch is up. We are launching a new uh, shirt, I guess, a muscle tank that says man cannot speak for her. And it is a uh, commemoration of the fact that 100 years ago, 
some women got the right to vote and our fight for every woman to get the right to vote continues. So man cannot speak for her. Muscle tees and t-shirts available at store.crooked.com. And welcome back. We're at the part of the show where we take really strong stances against things that are actually petty. (laughs) It's called I Feel Petty. And uh, I'm going to start off this week. Um, So in the last few weeks, I've seen some debate online because online is the only place that you can go right now because every other place (laughs) is no longer available. Um, And what a wonderful place it is. uh, The uh, the (laughs) online. Um, I've seen some debate about the word himbo. Do you guys know what a himbo is? A himbo is a male bimbo. Oh, okay. Mm, a himbo, like, like, uh, like the male side character in the female reboot of Ghostbusters. Yeah, it was like, himbo, yeah. like Chris a, a dumb dude. Mm-hmm. So hot. And there was some debate about whether or not himbo is like a, a good thing or a bad thing. And I think himbo is an essential part of the world. I support himbos. <laughs> I think, I think himbos, as long as they're not um, trying to box above their weight class and like make laws and stuff, I think, (laughs) I think himbos are sort of like, like decorative birds, like beautiful, dumb. They're not really Mm -hmm. doing anything, but running around and yelling and being pretty. That's totally fine. I love having beautiful people of all genders around, Mm -hmm. regardless of their level of intelligence. (laughs) And a himbo is just one specific variety of that. I am pro himbo. I'm, I am, I'm pro. Yeah. And any man with abs, evil or not, I will look at you. you. I'm just so against the word bimbo. I've had to like yell at men recently, like bimbo's not, that's not in the lexicon anymore that I wish we could find a different word because I feel like himbo is going to bring a rise to people saying bimbo more. I feel like himbos are reclaiming. Okay. Though. It's <laughs> like uh it's like we're reclaiming it and now it's our turn to use it okay. and we're using it better than they okay, used it before. Great. Like bimbo is re- I mean bimbo can be on the front of like Latin American soccer jerseys yes. sponsored by the brand. Yes, bimbo. they do great bread. Um great bread. Um but himbo I think is like it's our word and it's our time and we should okay. use it. Like we should use himbo. I mean I I, I love a hot dumb like a yeah. like it is it was surprising to me in my growth as a human how susceptible I am <laughs> to a real dumb tall one, you know? Um I I mean I think it's at this point there's no takes backs. Like I hear you, Megan, but like everyone <laughs> like langu- language is so recycled and it it comes and goes and whether like conversations about like reclaiming or whatever. I'm like, at this point, every it's out there. You can't really undo. Himbo um, does sound like a district in Brooklyn. So that's mostly <laughs> my issue with it. I like them. I like them dumb. I like them hot. I like when you touch their abs, you go, oh. Yeah. So if that, if that promotes that type of lifestyle, be about it, brand it up. I'm good. It's not, it's not the, it's not the only way for a man to be, but it is a way that a man can be. And I accept it. I think the himbo would wear a mask too, you know, 
just a, a himbo oh, with yeah. the other people and go, well, yes, I got to wear a oh, mask great. now. Well, like, I don't, I don't watch The Bachelor or I'm not part of Bachelor Nation, which does, confuses some people about my personality, mm-hmm. but I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but yesterday I had a writing date with a friend who we both had deadlines. So obviously we watched um, a lot of Bachelor uh, <laughs> recap. And I immediately was like, this person's done dumb. This person's not is being too emotionally available. Oh, they all are this hot? I like, I forgot that they were all this hot. And she yeah. was telling me about some girl a couple years ago who picked either the smarter, most, more emotionally intelligent one or the dummy who would really love her forever and was hot. I was like, I think there's a take here that I can maybe be a match. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's that's what I feel petty about this week. Pro himbo. Um, who who wants to go next? Um, I'll go because I just uh, remembered mine. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. Um, go, I'm remembering. So my I'm feeling a bit petty uh, uh, towards Mr. Christopher Nolan today. Um, Christopher oh. Nolan, who I am going to say first. I greatly enjoy the work of this British man. I think it's funny that he has a British accent. His little brother Jonah doesn't. That just tickles me. I also refer to my recurring dream where I meet Meryl Streep, wake up, meet her again, and realize that we were actually friends, and then wake up again and realize it was all a dream, incepting myself. I say I incepted myself. So I get it. He, in some, like, press for Tenet, which is coming out whenever um, he allows movies to come out again, uh, he said that he does not allow seats on his sets uh, uh, because if you're sitting, you're not working. Now, Mm. a couple things. Um, (laughs) One, movie sets, it's 12 to 14 hour days. That is obscene. Actresses and actors have trailers that they can go to in between setups. But otherwise, you know, people are sitting there setting, they're either watching takes or they're setting up and they're trying to get ready to keep it moving to work towards a singular vision. So that doesn't actually sound uh, quite feasible. Uh, two, who are you making this statement towards to impress or to just like, I'm just wondering, the context was very unclear because it felt as if he was trying to say it not haughtily, I think he just like Britishly was just saying he doesn't do that. But I'm worried about where on the internet someone was like, yep, no seats. And three, I fucking love to sit. Sitting is great. You know who sit? Martin Scorsese. I didn't like the Irishman, but you know he sat through that. I think it's okay <laughs> if you want to sit and think. I do stand and think, but most of the time I'm laying on my ground thinking, why did I choose a profession where I always have homework? But that's fine. <laughs> I just love to sit. And I don't like that sort of male propaganda that to stand is to be uh, a leader or creative. Mm-hmm. So that's what I feel I'm petty about. I support that. I also think that there's a chance that he's just saying that and that people that have worked for him are at home like, he has chairs. Like, <laughs> he's not like going around like holding up all the chairs. Like craft services is just like a standing grazing bar. Like I don't think so, Chris. We're sitting. I mean, it's it seems like an OSHA violation, actually. <laughs> There's something you know, there. I feel like he may actually have undone himself with this because people will be like, mm, let's visit that set. That doesn't seem right. What if people like the floor is hard, it's concrete. What if you have some arthritis, like yeah. low key or otherwise? It's just very uncomfortable, I mean, says the woman who found out she has low key arthritis. Did. I told that to my, my, I was talking to a friend about it and she's like, oh, it's sit on the ground. I was like, what about Dunkirk, girl? You on a beach? Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, it is, Megan, I like your idea that he just doesn't see seats. 
Living yeah. or dead living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I do see race, but I don't see chairs. I don't um, see chairs. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, all right, Megan, what do you feel petty about? I believe that my neighbors have stolen one of our <laughs> trash cans believe and yeah we used to have two recycling cans if my husband hears this he's gonna be like megan you gotta let it go okay so we used to have two recycling <laughs> cans and then we had new neighbors move in and now we only have one interesting have you slipped a note under the door and they have two. oh that's fucked up i'm with yeah. you so I once was out there and they had um, someone doing, I don't know if they were doing housework or yard work, but I was trying to like ask him, I was like, is this yours? Because their driveway is on our side. Like, it's very confusing. Our driveway is like far away from the front door and their driveway is close to our front door. And so I think what happened is that someone just like thought it was theirs and took it. But then when I kind of hinted at it, they were like, no, this is ours. <laughs> and then yesterday they parked too close to our recycling bin mm -mm. and so it couldn't even be emptied so now they have stolen our recycling bin and prevented the one that they left us with from even being emptied can i ask you a question about this yes so on your remaining recycling bin yes. have you put the number of your house and tape on it i'm gonna have to do that yeah. You haven't done that? No, I haven't done that because I like being Megan. A I like being a victim. Again, and, yes. and I like <laughs> and I like playing this um victim card that is actually only in my mind, but I've chosen this man as an enemy because he has a blonde ponytail and he feels Fair. and he feels like an easy target for my Like a Michael right Bolton now. ponytail? No, like Michael Bolton. No, because it's like it's actually more scraggly. No, it's actually thick and quite nice hair. Um, <laughs> but but like it, it it's that thickness where it like juts out from the back of his mm -hmm. head, like that type of. Oh, detail. yeah. Well, if if oh, yeah. you haven't by the time this episode is live, <laughs> put the tape numbers on your recycling bin. I will troll you online. Yeah, okay, we I'm got. Gonna, we're tweeting it. you on Friday if this is okay. I yeah. need to. I need to label. We've come to a place in society where we have to label our trash cans. And I don't want to be here, but I understand it's that I need to be a part of it. Pretty much been always, but okay. <laughs> well, this just makes me happy because I love this level of just like community outreach um, pettiness <laughs> that I think we has been really thriving in <laughs> a core. Like I was pretty sure my neighbor was building a chicken coop in his backyard one day. So that, oh, no. so that took up three days of my life. I saw one. Do not let your neighbors. Be I was really food. worried because I can see onto his deck and he got lumber. He got um, uh, hay delivered. Oh. And I was doing squats with my trainer over Zoom because, yeah, I need accountability to have a woman watch me do squats. And uh, I literally was like, if he builds a fucking coop across from my bedroom window, I'm going Doesn't to. Doesn't that have to be zoned? I live in a canyon. I don't know what's happening. Oh, fair. Here. Uh, fair. There's all these white folk. They, I think someone has a goat. I don't know. I got very nervous. Yeah. But, and then it turned out to be literally Dude. nothing. And I was so worried for like days. <laughs> that, this is like your Ooh. version of what lies beneath. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> My neighbor oh my is up to something. Exactly. <laughs> Rear window. Yeah. It's like building a chicken. All the signs are there. Yeah. Um, just as somebody who grew up with chickens, grew up in the country, like on a farm, chickens are Bitches. the worst. 
the worst. Like if you're going to have neighbors with livestock, chickens are like, if you live in a home where you can like manage your own chickens, their shit is the stinkiest shit of all of the barnyard animals. They smell terrible. They, the roosters are super mean. Like they'll attack you. Um, If you just have hens and you're competent and like managing the coop and stuff, like you can be fine and not intrusive. But most city people who are trying to get urban chickens thinking it'll be cute cannot manage that shit. If you see your neighbors building a chicken coop and you live in a city, you need to call not the police because you shouldn't call the call the fire department. Yeah. Animal control. Call the fire department. Ooh, yes. And have them come take care of it. Oh, I'm so I'm feeling a sigh of relief for you. I was we were, really what I a was nightmare. Like really like worried. And also I this period of time has also made me understand every narrative about a nosy neighbor who looks out mm-hmm. of windows. Cause I've always been like team mind your damn business. And uh, I'm like, oh, she's walking again. Okay, I see. That's all we have to do. This is all we have. This is our Bravo. This is our TNT looking out the window. It's amazing. Um, We have a neighbor that, we live in a neighborhood where sometimes the like roads become steps so that like you're, you can't drive up to the front of your house because it just becomes stairs. And we have a neighbor on one of the step streets near us who recently got a kitten and the kitten has befriended our oh. dog. So when the when the kitten is outside and we're walking the dog and we walk past the do- the kitten on the steps, she'll run up to the fence and like say hi. I it's love that. Really That's cute. Nice. That's cute. Make sure they don't go it's full really homeward cute. bound. But I love that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. They're planning yeah. something for sure. Um, all right, Alyssa, what's your oh, petty? So everyone knows it's the end of the fundraising quarter, June thirtieth this week. And like the level, when people would email me, that was one thing, but the number of text messages that actually prevent me from seeing people who are actually texting me things I need to know is absurd. And I really think that it should not be Mm -hmm. acceptable to text unless you opt in. And the worst was I went deep. I was like, who the fuck are some of these people? (laughs) And I found out that some don't even have an opponent. And they were asking me for money as if we're all rolling for cash, like rolling around in cash right now. And so anyway, I just want to send a message to people who don't have an opponent. Don't ask for money. Read the room. Save it for the people who need it. Yeah, is that just for like signs and snacks? (laughs) <laughs> like, what's it for? Is it right. for juice boxes and science? Just like my staff, they like water. But yeah, everyone's at home. They're not set. Yeah, what are you doing? No, it's like, just stop. And so anyway, I really got upset about it. And I was like talking to myself and my hubs came in and he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, people are asking me for money. And he's like, yeah. I was like, no, people who don't have races. He's like, that's fucked up. <laughs> so yeah, fuck that. <laughs> I was just thinking if somebody, I was like, the only effective fundraising text message from a candidate that's no longer running for office would be if Elizabeth Warren's campaign was like, chip in $5 and buy Bailey another burrito. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> Bailey needs I'll, to eat. I'll buy Bailey another burrito. <laughs> oh, that dog butt is so good. He's so yeah. he's just a sweetie. Just, he's just a good dog. A good he's dog. a good dog. Okay. Um, that's all the time we have for this 100th episode of Hysteria. Happy 100. Alyssa Mastrovino. 100. 100. 100. Here's to 100 more. We're going to keep doing this until we die. Thank you to (laughs) Alyssa Mastrovino, Megan Gailey, Riri Cheney. Thank you to Rep Karen Bass and to Alexis McGill-Johnson. And thanks to all of you 
for listening for these 100 episodes, for this one episode, for these how many ever episodes you've been listening to. There'll be more hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support and to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadina Malkonian for filming and editing our video content every week. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.